Hey everyone, I just wanted to say hi and offer a little disclaimer. I have to admit, I have a cold, but I wanted to get today's recording out there, so I hope you'll forgive the way I sound and enjoy today's episode. I've just returned from a creative retreat. And I'm living in that strange place of transition. You know, the one like when you go away to summer camp and have the most amazing experience and then you have to come back. This is one of those. And it was a most amazing experience. It can be tough to come down from that mountaintop and back to reality. This particular retreat is called Refine. It's a spiritual retreat for women, and I went last year. The focus was on writers, and it was a blend of retreat and conference. This year was a little different, a little more open-ended, slightly less scheduled, but full of so many good things. I scheduled today's interview prior to going, but invited Refine's creator, Chris Camille, to talk with me about imposter syndrome something that I believe is universal to anyone who is out there making their way. I feel that creatives are especially susceptible to this and need an extra dose of encouragement. We'll also talk a little more about the retreat for those of you who might be curious. But before we dive into our interview, I want to read a poem by Hafiz, a 14th century Persian poet. We have not come to take prisoners, by Hafiz. We have not come here to take prisoners, but to surrender ever more deeply to freedom and joy. We have not come into this exquisite world to hold ourselves hostage from love. Run, my dear, from anything that may not strengthen your precious budding wings. Run like hell, my dear, from anyone likely to put a sharp knife into the sacred tender vision of your beautiful heart. We have a duty to befriend those aspects of obedience that stand outside of our house and shout to our reason, Oh, please, oh, please, come out and play. For we have not come here to take prisoners, or to confine our wondrous spirits, but to experience ever and ever more deeply our divine courage, freedom, and light. Today, I want to introduce Chris Camille. She is, I, there are no words to describe Chris. She is a remarkable person. She facilitates these incredible experiences for women to gather um, they're called Refine, and they happen once a year at a beautiful place in Ohio that um, is just an invitation to holy. It's so amazing. She's also an incredible writer. She is a beautiful person, and I am inviting her here today to talk about something that I think most creatives struggle with, um, and I don't even think you need to be a creative, quote-unquote creative I think anyone who struggles to find out who they are and what it is they should be doing, they struggle with imposter syndrome. Chris gave a great talk uh, at last year's Refine, and if you didn't sit there nodding your head, yes, you were hiding something because it was so true. So welcome, Chris. I'm really delighted to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm super excited and a little bit nervous to talk about it because I still struggle. 
Oh, I think it never ends, but um, you said a few things last year that um, stick with me still, and it's just this reminder of, of who we are, who we're created to be, and that, well, like you said, we all struggle. So it makes it just this, this thing that could be conquerable because it's such a normal experience. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm that kind of personality. Like I really want to conquer something once and for all, like, especially if it's a place where I feel like it's a weakness or, um, a place of conflict within myself. I have this sort of, I don't know if it's my military background or, or what it is, but I have this, just this desire to like, to just overcome it, like just mm. conquer it once and for all and never have to deal with it again. Like it should destroy it. Yeah. Check and, that off and move on to the next. Thing. Right. Right. I just want it. I want it to be dead and done and buried and never see it again. And imposter syndrome in particular is, I cannot, I cannot slay that beast um, in its entirety. And it is, I guess in some ways, I think that is the way it's supposed to be because it, it, I think those places of weakness are places where the Lord really um, draws us to him because I can't do it in my own strength. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's, I think there's a benefit to that, but also it is a constant place of, um, frustration for me personally, just trying to just accept that I will always battle this and that's okay to like accept that that is actually okay. Yeah. Now, in case there's anybody out there who does not know what imposter syndrome is, give us a little, a little layout of what, what that looks like. Yeah. It's essentially, I think it boils down to feeling like you're a fraud at whatever it is that you're working at. And it, when I was reading about imposter syndrome, it affects people in all different um, areas of work. It doesn't matter. It's not just for writers. I mean, I think writers battle it in a very specific way, but I think um, people who are um, doing anything where they're trying to do it with a, a level of excellence or of mastery, I think they find themselves feeling inadequate in, in some ways or perceiving themselves to be inadequate, whether they actually are or not. Um, and so I think that it really doesn't matter what you're doing. It's just that sense of um, I'm unqualified or I'm faking it and everyone's going to find out that I actually have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and I think there's a lot of fear that surrounds imposter syndrome. Um, but it's just a general feeling of like, lack that you're you're just not doing it well or not doing it the way you should be or um that you're not capable yeah and i think the maybe the secret behind that is you know we sit in our insecurities and look and see somebody else who they've got it all together they look at look at what they're doing how do they do that that's amazing they just they must just be so self-confident when i think the reality of it is they're looking around them and seeing others and feeling probably some of the same things. But, you know, we all put on our bravado, our, our little masks and, and go forward. Um, mm -hmm. But it takes, it takes something more than faking it 
don't you think? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think that expression, you know, like fake it till you make it. <laughs> I think there's, like there's some truth to that, to stepping up and saying like, I feel unqualified or ill-equipped or whatever, but I'm going to push in and do this thing as if I know what I'm doing. Um, I think there is value in that, but I also think that um, there, you do have to learn your craft, you know, and I think that sometimes the more you learn your craft, whatever that is, you know, whether it's cooking or, or knitting or writing, whatever, um, you do gain a sense of uh, ability. I mean, you learn skills, you, t you, you study, you do those things. And all of those can be tools to help you battle imposter syndrome. But I don't think they, they snuff it out entirely. Yeah. So. What, um, where do you find your, you know, your, your glow, your confidence when you have to face, um, face a crowd or <clears throat> now I know, I mean, you've mentioned, um, in speaking that you're a panther. <laughs> which I love because I, I tend to do that. But what happens is there's a transition. You say you're a pantser, but then, then it comes and it, it, it's a confident voice and it's a true voice. Where does that come from? I mean, honestly, it's going to sound like the Sunday school answer, but it's the Lord. I really believe that's the Holy Spirit because um, I am not a trained speaker. I've never, ever, I took one speech class in college and I literally thought I was going to die. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, everybody's, you know, they say that's like one of the top fears that all people have is public speaking. And if you had told me back in college that I would stand up in front of any group of people, any, anybody other than my family or my closest friends and talk to them, I would have told you you were absolutely insane. And there was no way I was going to do that. Mm. Um, which I think if you've ever told God, no, you know how sometimes that works out. <laughs> so um, I, I really believe that it is um, like, I'm required to, to put trust in the Holy spirit to do the work that I feel called to do because I know that in many ways I am not capable. I'm not qualified. I'm not trained. I don't have expertise in this. Um, you know, I don't always have time to study super in depth about maybe what I'm going to have to talk about. And so I have to rely on God to just fill the gaps. And ultimately for me, it, it always comes back to surrender. Like for me to do that kind of work and to speak to people or to even, even to write, I have to surrender all of my inadequacies and trust that God is big enough to fill in the holes. And I've experienced that. I mean, that is the experience that I have again and again. And it doesn't mean that every time I've stood in front of people, I've absolutely nailed it and I've been like a rock star. I mean, it's not like that. Um, but it really, for me, is about surrender to, the, to, to what I feel called to do. And if it's to speak, then I have to surrender all of that and speak and just trust that God's going to do the work. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. What are, um, you know, you talk about honing your craft, having confidence in who has called you to do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. um, what are, I mean, are there other things that, that underpin that? Um, I'm trying to remember back to what you um, spoke on. I just, the encouragement, where do you, where do you, where do you go for that? 
Mm-hmm. Beside, I mean, you know, scripture first, right, right? But where do you go for, you know, what what are some nuggets of advice you'd give somebody who says, "Well, I kind of know all that, but mm-hmm. how does that work for me?" Right. I look at I look at other writers, and particularly. So I'm speaking obviously just for me, and my field is writing, and you know hosting refined. So that's really where I'm speaking from. But this I think can apply to anybody regardless of what field you're in. So just to say for me, because it's writing and speaking in this season of life, I look to other people who are doing that work. I look to other people who are doing that work well. And um, I try to pay attention to what they're doing and how they're doing it in the sense of like, like studying, learning from them, mm-hmm. learning from watching them and um, reading lots and lots of reading to, to kind of help find my own voice because I think part of it and, you know, in the world, there's a lot of conversation about finding your voice. Who, who are you? What does it sound like when you say them? And I think that, you know, ultimately imposter syndrome, I think navigating imposter syndrome requires a lot of soul work. And so it's really kind of like getting to know yourself and um, uncovering those places where you feel deficient and where you feel weak and where you feel like a phony or a faker Um, and, and doing the self work that it takes to get to the root of those things. And I think when you get, when you start to unpack that stuff and where is it coming from and why do you feel this way? Why do you think these thoughts, you know, that tell you, you can't do this work? Where does that come from? I think when you start to uncover that, you, you're on your pathway to actually healing, you know, you start healing. And when that healing process begins, you do find a confidence that you didn't necessarily know was inside of you because you're becoming more and more your true self through being made whole, you know, by those places, those wounds being um, really truly healed. Because I think that healing is permanent. Like I think that when God heals something in us that's really broken, he heals it like it's done. Like he, he heals it forever. Yeah. And so it's, it really, I think imposter syndrome requires a lot of just internal work. Mm-hmm. And so I look to people who are doing that work too. I look out there and I say, who's doing this and how are they doing this? How are they, you know, cause if you watch someone long enough and I mean, this is, we're a voyeuristic society with social media, so right. we can watch each other all day long. Um, when you watch someone work long enough, you can see a shift in them. You can see growth. And so I'm looking at people who I feel like are growing mm-hmm. and actively investing in themselves to grow. And I, I use them as sort of like mentors, you know, and role models in this way that I want to, I want to be where that person is, not in the sense of like, I want to achieve what they've achieved or build what they've built, but in the sense of being a whole person who can embrace her voice or the way she sees the world and recognize like, it's okay. Cause I feel like imposter syndrome is all of us going, I need somebody to say, it's okay that I do this. Yeah. And I don't know why we feel like we need permission all the time. Um, you know, that's a whole other podcast, but I think that that's part of it is learning to give ourselves permission. Yeah. 
Well, you mentioned something about being a voyeuristic society. We are exposed to so much. And um, who was it that said it? Roosevelt, comparison is the thief of joy. I mean, yes. it's been reiterated over and over again through different translations. But we see someone else and we think, wow, that is, that is so not, I can't do that. How did mm. they do that? Um, and the more we see, um, and I think the more we get blinded by celebrity, you know, we, we feel like, well, I don't, I don't look like that. So I can't, why bother? Um, and I think we, we lose a piece of our souls because we spend so much time taking in everybody else mm -hmm. that it, it overshadows that inside, that, that you that matters. Mm -hmm. And it becomes easy to, to shut that down. And it, I think it gets harder and harder even like to fake it to make it because there's just so much out there. Yeah. Well, I think you have to guard, you have to guard yourself. And I'm learning this again and again, because I love social media. I have a love hate relationship with it. <laughs> In good moments, I absolutely love it because yeah. I'm a people person. And so it makes it just brings it just fills me in a, in a very fulfilling way. I just I love people. Yeah. But then the flip side of that for me is that I don't know when to push back from the table sometimes. Mm. And I can tell I know when it's happening when I need to get up and walk away, because I lose myself. I start to feel like I can't do the work that I'm called to do. Imposter syndrome becomes very loud. It becomes almost like, like overwhelmingly loud. It deafens everything else. And I know when I hit those seasons um, where I've been consuming and, you know, watching other people and, you know, it's, it's not all bad. Like I'm being inspired by them. I'm learning from them, but there does come a point where I recognize like, Instead of growing, I all of a sudden am shrinking. I feel inadequate in every single way. And it can be stupid stuff about how I look, how I sound. It can be big things about my faith and where my, um, you know, my, my convictions, my personal convictions and things like that. It affects every single area of my life. And I think that that's what we are not good at navigating with our culture is knowing when to back away from the table and say, you know what, this is a feast and there's a lot of good stuff here, but I can't even hear my own voice anymore. I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. I don't even know how to do the work I feel called to do because all I can see is other people doing it and I feel too small. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, you know, that's part of the work of doing any work that you do whether you, you know, I follow all kinds of people on Instagram and I love to bake and I love to cook. And so I follow, you know, people who are like master chefs and stuff and I watch their work and it's beautiful and it inspires me. But sometimes I can also start to feel like I can barely make a hot dog, which is not true. You know what I mean? But like, it, it's, it just does weird things to your mind. And yeah. I think imposter syndrome is an absolute battle of the mind and soul. Like yeah. that's the battlefield. And so that's the place where we have to, work to heal and to protect and to guard and to um, trade out the lies because they're lies. Those are absolute lies, but we have to swap those for truth. Yeah. And that is really the only method I've found for navigating it is to replace those lies with what is true. Yeah. 
because the lies will always keep coming. Yeah. Well, I think we live in a society of distortion. Yes. Um, we just see, you know, everybody's perfect self. And even I think sometimes when people, you know, want you to see the real stuff, it's still planned. Mm -hmm. It's not just look at this. I just got out of the shower. There's underwear on the counter. There's, right. you know, <laughs> you don't see that. Right. Um, even in the mess, because the mess is, has been quantified now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, I was talking to someone the other day about um, how, we, how we define our spaces and what we what we want in them. And I said, you know, I remember before this is going to date me before the internet, it's back in the day, back in the day when I would go to a store. I mean, all you had back then was magazines. Okay. Mm -hmm. You would go to a store and you would walk through and something would catch your eye and you bought it because it fit you. It mm -hmm. did something to you. Mm -hmm. And now it's okay. Oh, I want it to look like this. So I'm going to go buy everything in this line mm -hmm. because this is what I see that everybody has. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you have this homogeneity that aren't we all wonderful because we all look the same mm -hmm. um, in how we live, but also in how we, how we become. And I think mm -hmm. that individuality has now become a bigger battle mm -hmm. because we long to be like somebody else as right. opposed to the self we we are intended to be does that make sense it makes it makes a lot of sense and I think that it's true because um, in my own publishing journey I have had conversations with various agents and editors and things mm -hmm. and at one in one season I was being told um, with a particular book project that I'm still working on to they were they were trying to help me but I felt like ultimately it was smothering my voice and it was like we need to shape this more like this like this is what's selling let's shape this more like this mm -hmm. and and I came away from it like I'm a four and I'm a middle child. So I'm like, I'm like the worst case scenario for like following the, the path. Okay. I just don't want to do it. And if I know that, um, that's the way everyone else is going to go, there's a part of me that wants to follow, but then there's this really strong part of me that's like, yeah, I'm going to go this way. I'm just, I'm going to go this way. Yeah. And I can't even help it. Like sometimes I'm like, <laughs> why is it so hard for me? <laughs> but I just can't even help it. And, um, when that language was, was coming at me about my project, part of me was like, you know, the part of me that wants to succeed and wants to accomplish something and wants to finish this project that is just <laughs> five years and running. Um, I just, I was like, okay, yes. But then when I pulled back from it, I was like, wait a minute. If I shape this like everything else, how is it mine anymore? It's right. it. I've now crafted it so that it fits in with everybody else. Right. And I just realized in that moment, like, I can't, I can't do it. I cannot do that because that is what we're doing. Like you said, we buy a magazine, we look at these things and we say, oh my gosh, this is the trend in home decoration. And then all of a sudden you look at Instagram and all of our houses look exactly the same. Yeah. And you're like, well, how is that mine? How is that? How does that actually 
reflect who I am. Yes. And I'm big on that. Not that myself is so important, but that I think our work should be a reflection of who we are individually, not as this weird collective that yes. has uh, that uses all the same filters and all the same framing and all the same lighting and all the same language. And I just like, I'm, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. Well, and you're so right. We should not do that because we are each, each very uniquely put together and we're not created to just be like, okay, this is me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go down this one little track mm -hmm. because, and it's not going to rub against anybody else. Right. But what we're called to do is put that out there because we can support each other. You create a great network of, of individuals, of lives, of words, of whatever. Mm -hmm. When you interlace those, those places and we become better, not because we're the same, but because our differences come together and make it stronger. Yes. And um, to, you know, it, it, in writing, you know, if you craft it more like somebody else, what are you really saying? Right. What are you really saying? You know, when all the books out there, and now this is kind of funny because you start to watch, you know, over like one year, this book cover, well, suddenly everybody, you know, there was a while there where everybody had like the picture of a back of a woman's head with a messy bun and right. words, you know, and then it goes to, you know, you can tell when a book was published based on what kind of imagery you're seeing. And right. um, it's like, what's wrong with the different voice? What's wrong with, with somebody who says something a different way? Mm -hmm. And even though we, we are all each, each very unique, there are, there are people desperate and thirsty to hear what it is you're bringing to the table because that's part of the bigger plan and scheme, you know, to, mm -hmm. to, to not be all the same and to accept the differences, no matter what those differences are. Because if you accept the fact that God has created everything there is, we have an obligation to see that. I'm rambling, but does that make no. any sense? Yes, I think it's true. And, and I, I don't know, you know, I mean, I think you could, you could talk a time why as a culture we are drawn to the same. Like, why is it that if something is the same, everyone wants to emulate it, and then all of a sudden there's less and less variety, and we're all going for the same thing. Well, it's same. Um, it's safe. And that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking, I think we look at that and we feel like, well, this is working. It's safe. But, um, I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's just, I think part of it's just the way God has been working in my own life. But I kind of look at those things that are safe and I kind of just like, I look at it, I think about it. And then I just go the other direction. Like I, I, Sometimes I, I'm frustrated by that in myself because I think this works. Like you're, look at this, it's working. This is what works. And you choose to go this way where you know it may not work. Like, does that seem like a wise decision? Um, but there's just this part of me that's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to do it just because it's safe. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, but imposter syndrome makes you think that that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. 
to follow the safe path. Yeah. Because Be it's too risky out here. If you go this way, that's too risky. Right. Well, and then you bring up fear, which right. I think that, that drives imposter syndrome because it, it shuts us down from our own, our own voice and right. wants us to model after something that isn't, isn't ours. Yeah. And the fear, the fear tactic is, gosh, it works like nothing else. I mean, for me, especially, I know fear is a place where I just have to really um, plant my, my feet firm and just say, no, 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 I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to accept that because it is, a, I mean, it is a monster. It is really powerful. And and very sneaky sometimes. I think it's not always like it shows up in this big, hideous, obvious, ugly way. It's very subtle. And it's just this little kind of whisper sometimes that you hear in your head and in your heart. And I feel like eventually it sort of can't contain itself. And then it like rears up and it's so obvious. And you're like, oh my gosh, like that's what I've been, you know, that's what it looks like. That's the real head of the beast. But I feel like initially it's just this quiet, sneaky, I want to curse right now. Like this, <laughs> Can I curse on this podcast? Yes, you can curse on this podcast. <laughs> it's this quiet, sneaky bastard that just like comes in there and is telling you all these horrible things that are not true. Yeah. And it, it makes me angry. Like my, I guess my personality is such that like, then I become angry about it. And that's actually when I'm motivated then to push back is when I finally, that anger rises up in me that like, no, this is not okay. I'm not going to succumb to this. And so then I'm, I'm able to fight, but sometimes you're not able to fight. You just hear it and you receive it and it becomes this truth to you and it can just suffocate you. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you talk about a voice, it can actually be a very physical voice. Um, yes. You know, I mean, we re replay the soundtrack of our growing up um, unwittingly. Oh, mm -hmm. And, um, and I, you know, speaking from experience, there are those things told to you by the people you trust mm -hmm. that, that have such a deep, those claws are very deep inside. Mm -hmm. And when they come back up, it's like, well, it has to be true because, right? You know, this is what I was. This is what I was trained up in, so it has to be true. Um, and those are the the hardest deceivers to to push back on, and that's where it takes yeah. an extra dose of strength and a whole lot of faith and trust. Yes. And I love that you said claws because I'm very visual and I always picture it like hooks. And this mm -hmm. is a really kind of grotesque vision, but I picture it like hooks in our skin, oh, like the yeah. way you hook a fish. And I feel like you have any of us, we have a number of hooks that are just caught in our skin and we have to pull them out like one at a time. And sometimes it's very slow work yeah. and it's almost always very painful work to yes. remove them. But and I feel like that's God's work too. Like, I don't think we can actually heal ourselves in that way. I right. think that that's the work that God does for us is that he heals us um, when we bring our brokenness to him in that way. And we bring those, those um, kind of our hooked selves. He is the one that unhooks those things from us, but it is a painful work. Yeah. Um, but 
if you can picture a body that has been unhooked, like how free is that body yeah. that it can move and it can do the things that it needs to do. And there's scars for sure, mm-hmm. but it walks in freedom and it lives in freedom and it makes art in freedom. And that's what I feel like, um, imposter syndrome and those lies are the hooks. And I think that when you see people who have overcome it enough that they are working and producing art and beauty in that freedom, it empowers others to find that healing and be free also. Yeah. 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 What a powerful image. Um, I, I really don't have anything to say after that. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and see. No. <laughs> cut. Cut. Oh. Well, I think, you know, I think that, um, I think you have to want it. Like, I think you have to get to a place where you want that work done in you and on you and in your heart and in your head. And I think that's the beauty of community. I mean, if we can talk about refine for like one minute, I think that um, it's the beauty of bringing people together who are willing to, to see each other's hooks and to see each other's scars and call out the beauty in them. Mm. And it's empowering because you go forth from, from people doing that to you, whether it's at a retreat or, or any other space, you know, if you have a mastermind group or something where people are doing that for you, um, it enables you to move into a place of um, graciousness and freedom. Mm -hmm. And what's produced from that to me, I think is always the better work. Always. I think you can write, you know, in, in the writing world, sometimes people say like, you can't write about something till you're through it, that that's the stronger work. And I think that's true to a point. And I think it depends. I feel like it's not, it's not a hard and fast rule. I think sometimes writing through the thing can be very powerful writing, Mm -hmm. but I think that that's the work is that you, you, you're in a, in a space where people are, are coming alongside you and calling out those things and helping unhook, you know, God does the work, but we're the hands and feet. You know, like we have to help each other. We have to call those things out in each other, those lies and say, you are not this thing that you heard from the time you were born until you were 18 and left home. You are not these things. Yeah. And I think that that's what we can do for each other. Any of us who battle with imposter syndrome, we can be those truth tellers to each other. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, we become... Um, like resuscitators, you know, like we're like all walking around resuscitating each other. But I love that because it it is, um, and resuscitation doesn't happen at a distance. No, it can't. To touch, you have to be intimately connected. And I don't think we can do that if we're just, you know, bouncing off each other, whether it's online or, you know, just walking down the street or whatever. Uh, it requires you <laughs> literally to get in the face of somebody else. Right. And, um, and then it takes tremendous strength to receive it as well. Yes. Um, it yes. takes weakness, which is, it, it takes remarkable strength. This is, this is the dichotomy. It's, you know, the paradox. Tremendous weakness, that openness takes remarkable strength. And um, refine is a place that you are safe to to do that. To I allow think, weakness. 
you know, just thinking about resuscitation, I'm not even sure where that just came to mind, but I feel like um, Refine is a place where you can come gasping. Yes. You can come absolutely constricted. Um, and the work that, that happens in community is like nothing else. I mean, yeah. and it's risky because community is where a lot of us get hurt too. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it, there's a real risk there. Um, but I just, I don't know. God is so gracious. And I think when you come constricted and you come gasping and you come in need, um, God is so merciful to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all I've seen. That is the only thing I've ever seen. So I feel like I can, I can speak that as a truth because that is, I have never seen it go any other way. Yeah. In a in a safe community like that, I'm not necessarily talking about all community groups, but I think when you come really aware of your struggles to to a place where God is is moving and working and and where you want Him to fix it, um, He does. He just yeah. does. Yeah. Well, I I know there's going to be folks listening now that they've heard about Refine a little bit. Might be curious, right? Um, what's coming next? Um, are you at liberty to, you know, give a hint of, um, you don't have to give anything away, but, you know, yeah. share some information where people can, can look for refine and look for what's coming in 2020, um, which yes. sounds so strange. 2020, Isn't that weird? But we all know it's going to be here in a skinny minute. I mean, yeah. it, it comes so fast, but, um, we are going back next year to the same place to our lady of the pines. Um, it's around the same time period. It starts, uh, next year's retreat is March 19th through the 22nd, I believe. Um, so it's a Thursday to a Sunday. Um, the theme, which I haven't said anywhere, which I'll say here is pilgrimage. Oh. And I am still praying through the vision of what that will look like. But um, I know without a doubt that that is the theme. So um, it'll be an interesting year walking with the Lord, trying to see like, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what do we do with that? Um, but all the details will be up on the website, which is refineretreat.com. So. Okay. Well, I know I'm going to be watching. <laughs> I'm going to be watching and waiting. So um, yeah. are, there, are there any... Um, last things you'd like to to share uh encouragements or um you know just thoughts on imposter syndrome and embracing those gifts that that we've each uniquely been put together with i think i just would want to encourage people to take the risk to to stop trying to necessarily become a carbon copy of what other people are doing out there and to take the risk to embrace your full voice. Um, because God specifically made each of us in a very specific and individual way. And um, I don't think that was an accident. Uh, I don't think that was um, anything other than absolute intention. And so I think that um, if we, I think people, I would just encourage you to commit to doing the work that it takes mm -hmm. to heal and to embrace who you are, your full identity um, as God's beloved. Because I think when you do that, the freedom you'll find is like nothing else. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, on that, I mean, I can't add anything else unless you want to sing us out. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'll just say, I want to just thank you so much, Chris, for spending just a few minutes and, and talking about something that I know um, haunts anybody who is trying to make a difference and who is trying to do good work. And also for sharing a little bit about Refine because um, now it is that that'll be Refine's fifth anniversary next year, right? Yes, oh. yes we were thinking it's five years. There's going to have to be some, some little birthday, birthday, something. Celebration. Yeah. So uh, I think it's going to be a great, I'm excited. I mean, I have no idea what's going to go down, but I'm, I'm so excited. That I am too. And you're always so open and so receptive to what you're being called to do. And you do it with such aplomb. I mean, you just, you take it on and you create something marvelous. And so for those of us who had, um, are fortunate enough to attend, I'll, I'll just offer a collective thank you because nobody leaves unchanged. Mm -hmm. It's really awesome. So yeah, thank you. Um, Chris, you want to share uh, some social media handles if people want to try to find you? Yes. Um, back in the old days, I used to blog, and um, my, I still have it up. It's chriscamilli.com. I don't, I don't get much writing done there right now. Um, I write for The Cultivating Project, which is uh, hosted by Lancia Smith. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm primarily on Instagram. That's my favorite space. Um, and it's just my name at Chris Camille. So very easy. Okay. Great. And um, if they're interested in Refine, that's Refine yes. Retreat on Instagram. Yeah, refineretreat.com. Yeah. And on Instagram, it's Refine Retreat, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Well, hopefully we can send some some curious folks your way. And, and just thank you so much for spending your morning with us. Oh, thank you. It's such a treat. Just a quick note to remind you to look up Chris Camille on Instagram as well as Refine Retreat. And that's Chris with a K, so K-R-I-S, Camille, C-A-M-E-A-L-Y. You can also find her at chriscamille.com where you can see all the great things she's been busy with over the last bit. That's it for today. I hope you found a welcome here, a creative hospitality here, a place you belong. The generative process is one of growth, and when we can share that without falling into the trap of comparison, we can find that place to belong. Let's continue to compare notes, not compare ourselves. Let's learn and grow together, shall we? Please follow PoetKind on Instagram and Twitter, that's PoetKind Podcast all one word, and join in our conversation, message us, and you can connect via email at poetkindpodcast at gmail.com. Send us what you're thinking, send us your ideas, recommendations for guests, your poetry. We want to provide more of what you want to hear. And remember, if you like what you find here, leave us a review on your preferred listening platform. When you do this, it lets them know we're bringing something good to the table. So until next time, be generative. Create the life you long for now and enjoy today.